Well, we're back. Welcome back. We're back. Excalibros and we're back. Welcome back. Hey, Dan. Um, do I have to say welcome back that many times? No. Um, <laughs> are you all right? I used to say, like, hey, welcome to another. And I'm like, man, I haven't left my apartment in, like, months. I, like, I, I can barely stop myself from slitting my own wrists. Like, I can't, I can't muster the excitement to be like, hey, we're back. It's just like, hey, we're there here. Only, there is only so much porn you can watch before it gets boring. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm... I'd say welcome back, just to rub in the fact that I've, I've also been sort of locked in the house forever, but I have a playmate, so that's all right. <laughs> it's not too bad. Um, how is everything? Obviously, me saying how is everything, after you literally just announced that you could slit your own wrist, is probably a really like, non-question. I, mean, I wasn't very serious about that. It's just... No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fed up, is the word. The word, the sentence, the two words. I'm broken too, apparently. I think we need to, like, I think we need to be wound up again and uh, on neutral. Um, how how is America? Uh you know, I I learned something interesting yesterday or the day before. It's like you can make fun of as many minorities as you want. You can uh, assault women. You can, uh, you know very crassly make fun of people with disabilities and half the country won't care but you say something about the military and suddenly that's the one thing as a republican you're not allowed to to say bad things about uh so finally maybe like like trump's kryptonite has been found uh it's kind of amazing Uh, so that's that's been very interesting to me is that why is that why his battleship sunk? Or his boat sunk? Yeah, yeah his boat sinking. So, <laughs> and people are like, it's conspiracy. <laughs> the lefties out, were out there causing waves. It was, uh, it was the Illuminati <laughs> sinking our boats. Yeah, yeah, all, that kind of stuff. I'm amazed. What did they just send otters, left-wing otters, to um, <laughs> size boats? Well, Dan, um, you, you know that Mother Nature has a has a well-known left agenda, so it's uh, it's not surprising. Yes, the left agenda of keeping alive. Um, it's very. Yep, Mother very Nature left. has a liberal bias that we all know about. No one talks about, but we all know. It's it's um, talking about liberal bias. Um, in our country, the a group called the Extinction Agenda, who is who's about <laughs> saving the. They're about they're about saving the planet. Apparently. Um, wait, 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 wait. They got their name. From like a, a not so great Marvel event. Yeah, um, <laughs> they could have called themselves E for Extinction, but anyway, <laughs> uh, they sat in a road or stopped a road and stopped loads of papers going to the, pr- the print, and all of the right wing press, who constantly victimize uh, victims, even though they have the power and own a majority and nearly everyone's voted them in, are like, freedom of the press is dead, and everyone's just like, well. You paid for all that press. I suppose it's freedom of your propaganda has stopped. I don't know. <laughs> for like half a day. So our country's having a nervous breakdown because we, um, well, I think we had a nervous breakdown when we voted for Brexit. But um, so the right wing can't be all like propaganda. And we've just hired the ex prime minister of Australia, the, the misogynist and the homophobic one, the one that was ousted by his own party. Apparently he's our lead of trade now. Yeah. Um, yay. 
<laughs> and now we're even more of a laughing stock of a, of a country than we were before yesterday. So, yeah, our country's amazing. They should probably just sink into the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Our our Republicans are like, we can't even be bothered to go to the ocean. Let's find us a lake to to sink into. (laughs) Like, nothing's more pathetic than, like, the the waves were too choppy on a lake. Something that almost (laughs) never has waves, we managed to sink in. (laughs) (laughs) The only way you have waves in in a lake is if there's like an earthquake or if other boats are causing waves. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just like sank themselves. Kind of the story of 2020, really. Um, yeah. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. So um, speaking of, we're going to jump into like the world's weird. We're going to jump into a, a weird issue of Excalibur. You know, we... we Dan, we, we spent, uh, I don't know, 30 issues talking about, I guess not 30, maybe like 15 issues going into other other realities with Excalibur. And I feel like this is another reality because we have two characters that look like characters we've been following, but they don't act like them at all. Uh, yeah. In this issue, Megan and Captain Britain are suddenly like deeply madly in love with each other and playful and fun and you're like who are who are these people this is not representative of anything they've done in the previous 27 issues why are they suddenly on a fun date together and like enjoying each other's company that has not happened once uh but that's that's this issue uh it's issue uh number 28 uh of excalibros and uh, its writer is Terry Austin. The penciler is Colleen Doran. Inker is Brett Blevins. Uh, letterer is Phil, uh, Phil Felix. And the colorist is Brad Van Cotta. And on the cover, Dan, we have Captain Britain punching some dude. And Megan's turning into a mermaid. Uh, lots of dudes at the bar having a good old time. And some very cartoonish looking woman, blonde woman is in the, the foreground giving her thumbs up and winking at us like this is awesome um, and what um, do you think of this cover it bugs me I know it's plural but like fish out of water Excalibur I don't know it feels like it should say like a fish out of water <laughs> it really starts, it's annoying me um, the cover I don't I don't I don't know um, it exists it's yeah. the best it, it feels a lot like, you know, Captain Britain isn't the best guy. And uh, all these guys at the bar are just having a good old time, like grabbing onto Megan. And she's uh, not, not, not really enjoying it. And it feels like <laughs> it's just, this is the kind of thing that Captain Britain would be all about. Anyway, we jump in and uh, Captain Britain and Megan have escaped from uh, the lighthouse. And they're like giggling and, and happy with each other. Um, there's some odd, odd uh, lighting happening, and they're talking about how they finally get to go and have a good time, and they're flying and playful and and uh, sort of teasing each other as they're going into the city. Um, this didn't feel, as I mentioned, like any of the characters we've seen previously. Like, if this had been their relationship, there would be no reason for Megan to uh, have any interest in Nightcrawler whatsoever. Like, if... And even in, this, even in this issue, she she's... Um... Yeah. Still on, on tonight. Yeah. 
it feels like really out of place. Yeah. The last time they were just, he was just slagging her off for yeah. being stupid, essentially. If, if um, he ever showed a modicum of like interest in her, aside from when like Nightcrawler's talking to her, like they might have an actual relationship. Like if he ever did this before, you'd be like, okay, I kind of see why they're together. But normally he's just like, I'm awful, and how dare you talk to another man? Get back in the bedroom and in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. And and now he's like, hey, I, I think of you as a person. Let's have some fun together. Um, I just want to point out one color problem on um, my pay my my um trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bot the RIP the Gilded Lady panel. Megan Megan's top part of her ear and half of her a quarter of her face is like skin colored. Yep, and the same, rest is, same on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, I just was like, I wonder if that was a pinning issue for mine, or it's just a general issue. Yeah, no, they're they're all sort of like nightcrawler colored, except for part of her forehead and her ear. And the hair, which is like brilliant, brilliant yellow. Yep. Like, the night can't stop their blonde. Um, no, nope. there's some odd coloring here, Dan. It was it was strange. But uh, as you alluded, they go to the Gilded Lady, which is a a, a bar that uh, Cap used to go to in his younger days, and it's being it's being sold. They bring up gentrification. I was like, wow, they were talking about <laughs> this so long ago, Un- unbelievable. Um, yeah, I, and and instead of like in America where they're sort of kicking all the minorities out, they're just kicking out other white people so that even richer white ah. people can have the buildings. So, yeah. For a little bit of background, um, you must know this. Most people know this. Britain's run on a class system, right? With the the upper class, the middle class, and the working class, and uh, gentrification, um, especially down south. Uh, this is why the accents make no sense to me because they keep changing. Uh, gentrification uh, was basically buying up giant pools of land and sending all the poor people away. Right. Um, same. It's basically the same. Yeah, thing. basically the same. It's just you know interesting to look look at it from an American perspective and be like, wait a sec. There's a lot of just you similar looking people kicking out very other similar looking people for I'm not sure what reason. It's because poor people should be in the um what is it that Downton has taught everyone in the world? Poor people should be right. in the kitchen the lower sure. levels. Definitely. Yeah. I we agree, right. don't we Dan? Apparently. <laughs> Even in the eighties they agreed. Um so well, I mean it was I guess this is early nineties right at, at this point, but you know. Yeah. Well, what does it say on its on its on its cover? Early September. It could be any time. It could be any time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Margaret Thatcher was really that helpful to middle or working class people. No, no, let's not talk about the witch. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, they go to the good <laughs> lady, and it is a like a. It looks a much nicer place than they make it out to be. Like, if this was the building this well-decorated, I'm not sure they need to, like, tear it down and build something else. Like, you could just kick all the poor people out and let richer people in, and they'd probably enjoy the place. It looks fine. It does look like um, a heritage site. Yeah. Like, rather than, a, rather than a place that needs to be burnt to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, Cap sits down and he's talking to the bartender, but the bartender doesn't remember him, and uh, which disappoints Cap. And, and he asks for an order, and Cap's like, "I'll just have a lemonade." 
because as we established, she's a mean drunk person who uh, Megan's trying to fix. And uh, this upsets the bartender. And it's the, the other uh, people at the bar are also really upset. Like this is a, an affront to their civil liberties and they try to like force him to have a drink. <laughs> it's really strange. Like he's struggling with like I shouldn't be drinking, and they're like you have to have a drink. You're insulting us by not getting drunk and doing bar stuff with us. It's have you ever been to a bar and like hey why aren't you drinking? You're 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 insulting us. Is this a thing? I want to say no, but after hearing everyone tell me that I'm a traitor for wearing a mask or <laughs> whatever, I feel like it's just human beings. Like people are fucking mental. Yes. So all these old dudes are like, drink, drink, drink. And uh, Megan decides to help out. She uh, sort of transforms into a dupe of Cap and uh, drinks the beer. And they're all happy, but it's, you know, Megan's a lightweight, so she's drunk. And then two very, like, cartoonish-looking people show up who look like they don't belong in the Marvel Universe. They're, they're, um, like, their, their art style is different. They look like they came out of Archie or something. Um, and are they really small? Like one one dude, what's his name? Bash is very small and stout. She seems, she actually seems like a sexy dwarf lady that you'd make in a computer game. Right, and her she name is like Cooter the... because that doesn't sound sexual in any way. No. So going back to the dupe thing though, wouldn't it have been fabulous that uh, if Megan kissed um, Brian that, while he's looking hilarious. like Brian, they would have flipped out. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, anyway. Bash is strong and Cooter uh, can cause illusions. So she pulls out some pebbles and makes everyone think that they're gold, starts selling them. Um, and it works on everyone except for um, people who are very honest or people who once went insane and have no imagination. And so Megan is, is very honest, so she uh, is uh, fine. And Cap they say has little or no imagination. So, uh, <laughs> I like the fact that he went insane. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, he, they're both immune and they see all this terrible stuff happening. Um, so, there's a, sort of like a, a, a barroom brawl happens and in the background, the dude's like selling his bar to some other rich person. Fighting happens and it's just like women slapping each other. And then Cap gets beat up all the time by Bash because Cap is always getting beat up. He's like the powerhouse who can never, never handle himself. Uh, and so there's just like a lot of punching each other through walls. And uh, then Cooter decides that Megan hasn't been sexualized enough, turns her into a, a mermaid, and everyone's really excited about it. There's more fighting and there's more smashing. Like I'm, I'm, I'm blowing through pages, but all you're seeing is just pow. One guy through a wall, smash. Another guy through a wall. Then the police show up and they're like, "Should we go in?" No, we'll wait it out because <laughs> this is too much. Um, I agree with them too. <laughs> yeah, sure. I wouldn't go in there. It's kind of played for humor, and I guess it is a little funny. Um, there, there's some lines here. Megan turns into like a werewolf and scares everyone off, who then trample over cap because like four dudes running out of a bar too much for him to handle um <laughs> megan and cooter fight um and uh cooter decides she's gonna show megan what 
what Megan wants to see, which is Cap with uh, a bunch of roses and some champagne. Well, wait, it's not actually him. It's Nightcrawler. It's like a mix of, of it's like a really buff Nightcrawler. Yeah. Uh, and Megan's like, no, it can't be. I'm so confused. Um, <laughs> and if, if you had never written or read another issue, you'd be like, why is Nightcrawler there? They seem like they were a happy couple before. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> none of like the trauma has been portrayed in this issue. So you're, it's a little confusing. And then Cap finally, like, like beats up Bash and, uh, sorry, he knocks Bash into Cooter, who gets upset, and then beats up Cap again. And then Megan finally has enough strength to take out Bash because Captain Britain can never do anything right. Um, they, they take these people to the police and, uh, Cooter poses all sexy, like, hey, look at me. And then they uh, fly home. End of issue. Like, obviously, this was a filler issue, Dan. And it's supposed to be, a, like, played for humor, etc. But the whole time you're wondering, like, who are these two characters we're following? Because they are not the characters we've seen in any other issue. Uh, well, there's one bit that is Megan, which is Megan takes Zood out, but then says it's Brian that did oh, it, yeah. so that Brian doesn't get hurt. And I was like, oh, yeah. that felt like Megan. Um, I don't like the fact that she's torn her thing, and it almost feels like there's no underwear underneath her uniform, Yeah, the way she's holding it, and people are, people are staring at it, and it kind of is really uncomfortable sure. near the end. Like, it becomes bizarrely uncomfortable to, to read. Um, so, it's a filler issue. This is not Megan. Uh, well, Megan's more like Megan than Captain Britain is like Captain Britain, to be fair. Sure. Um, but yeah, their relationship is not this nice. Um, it's perceived as this nice. This is the issue that clearly like certain ex-editors and such stuff have read and gone, this is what their relationship is like. Right. Ignoring the last 27 issues where, <laughs> um, where Brian is an absolute arsehole to her, like for most of the time. Right. And praise on the fact that her naivete keeps her with him right um i think the new characters in uh, you're right they totally don't exist they're, they're drawn in a completely different style to the rest of the book and they're even colored differently as well yes yes um, and inked differently and it just seems so weird and like the final couple of shots just remind me yeah like archie just reminds me of archie and I think it's supposed to be like a comedy. Yes, it's supposed to be a fun yeah. comedy issue. But it starts with like gentrification and like bull- like peer pressure alcohol usage and such stuff, and it's not actually funny. It's well, more you know, like Dan, it's 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 funny when someone who's an alcoholic can't drink, and he's at a bar. That's a funny situation. Don't you get it's... it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know, it just feels really bizarre. And why turn her into a mermaid? I just... Like, on a whole, compared, especially compared to last issue, the art, art is... Um, art's not too bad, to be fair, on a whole. It's got some... I think the colour work and the ink work is, is its letdown. Uh-huh. That makes sense. I think, yeah. I think it works as it is, and it, it's in a, the art's inoffensive, but the... Like, I feel like Terry Austin's just been told to just quickly fill some in. Yeah. And yeah. the guy's like, and maybe he was told not to touch anyone else and he can only use Captain Britain and Megan or something. Because it feels like, it just feels like pointlessness. Um, 
and not like good filler, like a, like an issue of X Men where they're playing baseball or or the the you know Jubilee's gone out to the shops and she accidentally thwarts a bad guy's plan. Not kind of that kind of. Right. It's really weird. I'm not a fan. Yeah, it, it could have been a good like. Now that things have settled down, we need to, you know, talk and and maybe something happens and you know through working together they strengthen their bond kind of thing could have happened which I, I think they're kind of going for a little bit but it, it's more just like wacky crazy stuff fill an issue oh my goodness it couldn't it could have been lovely to have, have, have seen Megan and, Megan and Brian actually form a relationship right outside of I mean I'll, I'll, the, the, the fix to the, their relationship happened between issue 27 and 28 like we missed it <laughs> yep they did like a year's worth of counseling in between issues, and now we're at at the end of that session. God, yeah, it wasn't a good for an issue. Um, artistically, it's better than the last one, and it is certainly. Oh God, the art in the next issue. Oh. Well, I don't want to. Oh, who's doing the next issue? Let's take a look. <laughs> um, next we have penciler Chris Wozniak. Okay. Two people, two people wrote it, according to mine. Someone assisted on the plot, so I'm excited. <sighs> well, uh, 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 Marvel Unlimited says writer is Michael Higgins. Um, on mine, we've got um, obviously Michael Higgins, and it says in it with a little um, asterisk, it's um, plot assistant uh, Seth Kunchkow is the plot assistant. So I'm like. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, but I'm I'm actually uh, on a on a on a more startling note for me because I'm gonna have to actually pay for something. Um, I'm gonna have to buy the new trade soon because I, we're coming to the end of my second epic collection. Oh wow! Because issue thirty is the last one. Yeah, you better um, get on that. And it is, and you are right. We're probably in the 1990s because oh, yeah. uh, this. this this trade is from 1989 to 99. I should have just gone to the beginning. Um, September 1990. Yep, yep, yep. Marvel Unlimited says issue 29 is October, published October 1st, 1990. So. Right. For everyone that was like, everyone complains that it's a modern thing. Mm. Um, bi-monthly. Um, Excalibur has two issues in August. No, three issues in August. And then two in September. <laughs> like, Why? These are not necessary. <laughs> These are not necessary yeah. issues, Stan. We're not doing anything. Nope. They just need. They just need more. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need to buy number two. I'm excited uh, to buy number three. Sorry. Um, okay. Which has got like future things in it. <laughs> Obviously. Well, that was Excalibur twenty-eight. It was not best. Um, and I think we're ready to jump over to Exiles, right? If we must. <laughs> Which <laughs> is also maybe not the best. Exiles 29, which is written by Chuck Austin. Um, pencil, Clint Henry. Um, I want to say, because I've got such a, so many inkers, is it Mark McKenna on inks? Or maybe it's Tom Mandrake. Let's see. Inks Mark Morales. Oh, it's the name of 
Okay, I'm gonna have to. Re- okay, yeah, he's in there as well. There's a massive list of like six people. Um, apparently, the colorist on this is still Transparency Digital. Yeah. Um, and the letters could either be Paul Dutrone or David Sharp. It's Dave Sharp. Oh, there we go. So, part two of whatever this was, the crossover with the actual X Men, the big thing that that's happening, the um, crossover with the six one six. Which is a massive idea for the Exiles, but is is, is given to Chuck Austin. Um, uh, yeah, and instead of dealing with X Men, we're just we got some werewolves. Yes, and the front cover has Iceman in all of his early two thousand glory, with shades and jacket on top of a one's. I don't even know what that costume is. And uh-huh. Sunfire. Um, Sunfire is hadoukening towards us, and Iceman has iced up his arms. Yep. Uh, it's Clay Henry, and it looks okay. Very Saturday morning cartoon, which is kind of his thing, uh, visually, I suppose. Oh, hold on a sec. I'm having... Wait a second. <laughs> this is... What is going on here? Oh, Marvel Unlimited. Sorry about that. Please continue. It's all right. Did Marvel Unlimited spit it out? Because when you write Chuck Austin in Marvel Unlimited, it crashes. Um... <laughs> no, like, it sent, me, it sent me to the wrong issue suddenly. I was like, what are you doing, buddy? It's probably uh, yeah. going, do not read this. <laughs> do not read this issue. Um, it's trying its hardest to um, help your uh, sanity. Right, so we start with Wolverine versus Werewolves, um, with apparently his bashing singers, Husk and Morph. Um, right. There's a double-page spread of as naked as you can possibly make Husk. Um, I don't understand. Is she supposed to be like Emma, Diamond Form? But her hair is still... Uh huh. Yeah. It's like if this was Chris Bacalow, her hair would be all standing up on end uh, in diamond form. Sure. Um, it's more amazing that, bit... that that we have just werewolves, and Wolverine has you know claws that can cut through anything. Husk is basically metal, like impervious to damage. Morph is kind of like om- omnipotent if he ever chooses to use his powers. And they all just get trashed, like, right away. Yep. And there's that weird thing where they mock the, mock you or just repeat you, like parrots. Yeah. Um, and Husk is really scared of them. I do like that Morph turns into Colossus. Yes. That's, that's actually really nice looking. Um, and also, Chuck Austin is uh, meta-textually talking to us here, saying, I can't think of anything funny to say, which I think is his, um, his uh, treatise on... Uh, morph as a character right um or his ability to write morph as a character as he here literally doesn't have any lines of funniness and then there's like the kid that they're supposed to protect uh wolf boy nicholas there we go nicholas he just sort of stood there watching these people get eviscerated um then over at xavier's institute um sasquatch and mimic get blown through the school by evil havoc um who loves sunshine like superman and wants to Assert his dominance, which is um, an interesting turn of phrase. Mm. <laughs> and Nightcrawler's like, what's going on outside, even though I'm looking through a giant window? Um, and TJ's like, I'm, comes in, rushing in with Juggernaut, the, ner- the creepy nurse and her comatose child. And she's like, Dad. And he's like, what? And I, actually, I found this kind of funny. Yes, where he said, yeah. I knew I should have been more careful. Yes. That was... The best line in the book. Yes. Um, by far. And also, it's like, oh, 
my daughter's the same age as me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they talk, and then they have a, they give Kurt that kind of the quick heads up, and then Juggernaut decides to just pick pick TJ up and throw her at Havoc, not knowing that she has the ability to possess him. Right. And uh, she does say she can possess him, but she doesn't actually possess him because there's too many people in his body. But he sort of short circuits instead, and the normal Alex comes out and has a nice chat. And he's like, you should probably kill me because I'm evil now. And TJ's going to fire at him with her hex bolts, but then he's evil again. Then we go to Lobotech, wherever that is. Uh, Sounds like a boss boss fight in Sonic, to be fair. Um, (laughs) And um, Magic and Sunfire are... Sunfire's kind of bored of Magic, much like me as a reader. Um, this magic for sure, yeah. This, she's this very magic. one note. Yeah, she's all very white eyes, tits, and I'm going to murder everyone. Um, and much like Bobby and Warren, I'm indifferent to her uh, threats. Apparently, Warren can handle a sword with his wrist guards. Are they made of metal? No, they're not. Yeah, there's <laughs> some sort of metal there they allude to. Yeah. Yeah, there's some sort of metal in his wrist guards. Iceman just like ices Sunfire. And. Um, Magic's kind of got a glass jaw and goes down in one punch. And then Sunfire's like, she's a dick. I'm not friends. I'll come help you <laughs> with with the problems you're having with us. Right. Um, which is totally fine. And then um, we back to Nicholas saying stop. And then the wolves are like, why? Because we're beating them. And then he's like, I don't like it. And then the wolves are like, we'll make you like it. And then they leave him? Yeah. Because they don't like they don't like Warren. <laughs> then, then Juggernaut fits in a car with the rest it's, of them. Yeah, not 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 a huge car either. <laughs> uh, not even a people carrier. Um, and then the there's wolves. The wolves attack the car because they hate Warren, I, or they just want prey. I don't know. And one nearly tries to gut Nightcrawler, and he bamps away. And Juggernaut's shrunk a little bit, and he's gonna fight the wolves and then Havoc is there blowing the car up for some reason. Then Nicholas comes back to the mansion because I feel like these guys, I feel like Havoc just went, I'm evil now and then ran off. Because these guys just move from where they are. Like, Sasquatch, the implication is that Havoc was like, I'm evil, took out Sasquatch, TJ and um, Mimic. But they don't seem to have moved. And then Nicholas presents Morph's lower arm and hand, like his forearm and hand. Right. And he's like, help me put him together. And that car explosion took out the juggernaut. And then the wolves are like, we're going to eat you. And it's the end of the issue. Um, it's utter so, nonsense. Just, it did, like, I don't know. I actually read it. And then looking through it, I got more and more confused as I was going through it. You just said. I was like, it makes like it sort of starts off like I'm okay with non-linear plotting, but this is like oh, makes like, I don't understand why there's werewolves. I know that they're linked to a storyline in his X-Men run, but like I don't understand why they're there. I don't really understand anything about Alex. I know this evil Alex is from the comic. I assume he's from the comic book New uh, Mutant X. Yeah, that's what I assumed as well. Um, so 
and I know this is like a roundabout way to get Havoc back into the normal universe or whatever, but it feels like the crossover is pointless. Um, like I really, I, I enjoyed the art. I do. It's bright. It's shiny. It's very cartoon. And yep. I think on like, like he, he drew, Clayton Henry drew a run of Alpha Flight, um, which was like sort of tongue in cheeky. And I really enjoyed that run of Alpha Flight because the art sort of lent itself to the totally, sort of, yeah, the tone. And I think if you, I think if it was just if he was just doing issues of Exiles where they were just in different worlds, I think it would really work for him. But he's been, but the the artist has been landed with this that terrible plot about Ileana wanting to murder the Avengers, right. and now this. And I feel like I love how he draws fair or fairy animals, whatever. But Chikostin's just killing it, literally killing it. Not the other good way of killing it, like literally no. just ending, <laughs> ending careers. Um, I I don't get any character. I don't get the wolves' motivation at all, other than they hate Warren. But then they don't. They go after the car instead. Is it because the car's close by? I don't. I, they say that they, then, like they're the real Homo superior in some way. Like they're they're evolution. That and so they hate mutants because they're also mutants. It's very strange. Yeah, it's not. So, yes. It's no, not really entertaining. <laughs> no, no, I I agree about the artwork. It's it's fun and bright and colorful and uh and, and it really pops. And I think if it was a different tone of story, I think it would it would work really well. Aside from it being very sexual. <laughs> um, oh my god, yes, that's uh, very nice. But this 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 reminds me a lot of of the event Empire that's happening right now, where like. <laughs> And, and, and it hap- reminds me a lot of, of, of too many superhero stories where, like, we have this, this like, superhero team, they're very powerful, and, like, a group of people we've never seen before come in and just demolish them. And then middle th- thing happens, and it's not great. And then l- at the end, the hero's are like, ah, but what if we just try a little harder? And then they're going to just try harder and beat these people, and that's going to be the end of it. Like, it's going to... I, I can already tell we're going to have... You know what? What if the Exiles just did stuff instead of the other two issues where they couldn't do stuff? And now they did stuff, and then they won. And <laughs> that's how I felt about Empire. It's like, oh, we keep losing. Oh, yeah? What if we fought this time? Oh, we won! <laughs> I don't need this story. There's nothing happening here. There's nothing character, no character work going on. It's just like, it's just a waste of issues, Dan. And it's a three-part story. It's <laughs> It needs only one part. Like, I I will live and die on the idea that when the Exiles crossed to the six one six, it should have been massive. Sure. Like a, for the book, maybe not an event for the whole fucking thing. But for right, the book, it should have been important been... for the characters. Yeah. yeah. It should be an, a massive touching stone. They could have seen themselves and how it react, how they react to the, you know, because it because it's a shame that this is pre uh, Wanda going mental and decimating the mutant race. Because that would have been an interesting story point from um, TJ Tantel. All right. Um, but, like, it had been... I, uh, uh, I don't know. I think Chuck Austin was so obsessed with his X-Men run... Yeah. ...that he didn't care for for the Exiles. Because right. I don't think he, he, he lasts on the book either. I think he just leaves the book after a while. Huh. Um, it does feel like, well, if I throw some X-Men characters in here, that's big enough. I guess. Maybe I it was know. to try and generate sales for the book. Maybe. 
I, know, I was just looking at the, the the cover to the next issue, and it really just looks like, hey, Nightcrawler has a younger sister who he's going to go fight. Or or, or like they're, they're two aliens, a couple. Like, nothing here says, uh, this is my daughter. It just feels very... It's very strange. Like, they've made him look so super young, and her look just like... Like a twin. <laughs> well, you'll be happy to know that um, the next issue is the last issue mm-hmm. of... Um, of this nonsense? Of Chuck Austin. Oh, is it? Yeah. That issue 30 is his last issue. Wow. That was super fast. I think, I think Winnick actually... You know when we were saying that it's when it, when it, the last thing was Winnick's swan song? Um, I think he's actually back. Huh. Because according to my mind, it's only um, 31 onwards. It's only um, uh, Chuck Austin and um, Judge Winnick are the only ones credited as writers. I generally huh. thought he left and Tony, is it Tony Bedard, um, he took over, but maybe he doesn't leave yet. Maybe he comes back because they were desperate for Chuck Austin to fuck off. Huh. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, I'll be I'll be glad when he's done with it because I mean it hasn't been the worst thing, but this this three parter is not something I need. No, not at all. All right, well that's that's enough of that. Let's move on to X Factor number seventy five, <clears throat> written by Peter David, pencils Larry Stroman, inks. Uh, Al Milgram, lettered by Michael Heisler, colors Glennis Oliver. Um, and on the front, we have uh, the big old 75th issue. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, and it is giant-sized. It's it's quite large. And we've got uh, our X-Factors fighting the rude boys, or sorry, the nasty boys, uh, with uh, Sinister in the background. Um, it's a lot, of, a lot of stuff happening on this cover, Dan. Um, this cover just brings back a lot of memories um, from a lot of, like, I remember getting it at a car boot sale, this issue. Uh-huh. So, and I just I just remember, because I saw uh, Wolfsbane on the issue, and I was like, I love that. <laughs> that I love her hair. And I sure. think that's the reason I picked it up. Um, not, 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 no other real reason. <laughs> then I just wanted to read it. Um, so, yeah, it just brings back a few sort of random memories. Because I piecemealed the, this this uh, run together, I didn't um, read it all at once. Right. And it came out. So. But yeah, yeah, I enjoy uh, it. <laughs> yeah, the cover is, is okay with me. I I love the the giant sinister scowling in the background. Um, Strowman does does just like an extravagant, arrogant sinister that that I I love. He does. It's a Hickman Sigilnister before it's time. <laughs> um, so we start off, and the Nasty Boys are watching TV and just seeing that uh, Guido has been let out of prison after destroying the Washington Monument. Um, and they're throwing tomatoes at the screen. I, I love all, like, the bric-a-brac that's around the TV here. Um, and and the Nasty Boys are just in, like, some basement apartment just being, just being nasty. Um, and... Uh, so we have three of them sitting here. We have Gorgeous George, who can, I don't know, kind of skin before skin could skin. Um, we have Slab, who was just fighting uh, Strong Guy in the previous issue. And we have, what's this other guy's name? Um, the furry one. Oh, God. 
Uh, Herbal, Herbag. Yeah, Herbag. I mean, they're all given kind of like shitty names because they're all, all kind of like throwaway characters. Uh, and, and Sinister uses them kind of as disposable just henchmen, which I love. And, and Sinister comes down, and his cape is glorious, Dan. It is everywhere and monst- monstrous and like regal. I, I just super love every Sinister panel here. I do as well. I like the fact that it almost feels like he's floating with yes. it around him. Like he's <laughs> supposed to be walking down those steps, right? But... Right. And uh, Sinister comes down and sort of, you know, yells at the nasty boys for being nasty. Um, he poses. We've got some great angles and, and, and dark shadows going on here. And, and there's a plot afoot. Um, and we cut back to X Factor. Guido's all upset about what's happening and threatens to leave until Alex says, don't worry, we'll get to the bottom of it. Um, and I love how Guido's got like these giant shoulder muscles that eclipse his own head. <laughs> like he's just so, he's like muscles on muscles on muscles so much that like his head is, is getting lost here. It's almost like um, Sienkiewicz's, uh, uh, what's his name? From uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, um, Kingpin. Yeah, it's kind of Kingpin-esque going on here. Uh, I, I just I just adore it. Um, we cut back to the to we cut to first time seeing the other two uh, nasty boys, Ruckus, who can do stuff with the voice, and uh, what's his name, Rack Rab. Yeah, not really. See, Ruckus is a great name for, like, what he right. does. I think that's a good name. Out of right. all. And I do like Gorgeous George, because he's, like, yeah. a weird slime monster. Sure. But the rest of this, yeah. And I've, I I do not remember this dude with the stick, because at first I'm like, well, isn't that just Black Tom Cassidy's thing? Yeah. Like, well, he can control powers. wood, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> weird. So he uses his staff, and th- th- they're going to get beer. And, uh... They decide, you know what? We're not paying for this beer. We're stealing the money. And the police show up. And we get uh, like this super amazing panel of rockets going nuts with his powers. With the, the circles coming out and the pink coloring. And just reminds me how great uh, Glynis Oliver is. Yeah. I adore the panel next where all the um, noise and sound is swirling around them. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, just, it's just after what we've just read. No, that's not fair. After... After sort of uh, Excalibur, it's nice to see another X book. That um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice to see good art. Like oh, sure. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna diss uh, Clayton Henry because I think he's a very specific style. Sure. Because um, I'd actually argue that you don't see much like Clayton Henry's work in no. modern comic. No, no. So, um, but yeah, this is just, this is um, a masterclass on how to frame panels and. Yeah. Uh, warp panels to go with people's powers because like even the um the clam panel of the guy with the nerves bead is cut off slightly yeah there's no need to there's no need to cut off that panel but it just adds a slight more sort of dynamic dynamic sort of look to the the whole page yes you also also i've noticed that he loves tiny letterbox panels like <laughs> um, he loves them way before brian hitch made them super famous um uh-huh. What was it called after Brian Hitch? Widescreen Comics or something? Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah, Stroman was already done. Oh, you did that almost a decade before him. 
Yeah, anyway. No, it's a, it's a great page. I love I love the intercutting panels and how Ruckus is standing on like separate separate panels and yeah. it's we, we we love the artwork. We could just go on and on about the artwork for this this book. Um, but we go back to X Factor and they talk to Moira and she's like, "Oh yeah, uh, um, Multiple Man was over here and he had issues and it, he escaped." Um, and so the one that you thought was the real one is definitely the real one. Um, and they're like, oh, that's strange. All right. Um, and Multiple Man reabsorbs uh, the the fake one. And I, I love the angles. I love sort of like the cosmic light behind uh, what is, is obviously an evil Multiple Man as he's absorbing the other one. Uh, and he's all like draped in shadow. It's just another just... awesome page. And it's really interesting to see how he's absorbed. Like, yeah, the, like he's getting turned into tiny little strips of flesh. I don't know what you'd call that, but yeah, I just because you don't really see his power that often, right? Like in that sense, and it's nice to see him just um, <laughs> see them go to town with it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, multiple man's like, you know what? I'm not really into X Factor. Uh, I'll, I'll see you guys later. Uh, he leaves. Um, he gets into a car, and uh, the driver is Mr. Sinister, who is also posing as the um, the police officer who is giving the lie detector test. So obviously, Sinister has been in on the whole thing. And then we cut to Quicksilver, who's on a treadmill, and the doctor is examining him. He's like, "Yeah, there's nothing wrong with you physically. It's all psychosomatic," and uh, which leads Havoc to realize that someone named Ricochet is using powers to turn their powers against their themselves. Uh, he, he made quite a leap. I mean, it, it, it's true, but he really did make a leap on that one. <laughs> he, he, he's a very much a tryhard. <laughs> so uh, Sinister and Multiple Man return back to the Nasty Boys hideout. Uh, they all get along. Sinister uh, brings in uh, the Senator, who is trying Glorious to... Yeah, it... <laughs> sorry, I keep interrupting with how beautiful nope. it is. Like it's... we've missed two of my favorite panels. Um, Go ahead. One is where one is where the, the Alex, uh, Valerie, um, Lana, and um, Guido is uh, looking at the monitor. And I like how personalized each person is. With with um, Alex trying to get in on the action on the monitor, and Guido's holding his collars, and like. It looks like Lana's almost feigning interest into the whole thing. And, um, <laughs> it's a really well done panel. And I do really like the nasty boys at the top of the page opposite the sinister. Where they're just sort of like doing a pose. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, they're just doing a team pose. I just think it's really well done. And then that sinister is just stunning. Super stunning. Uh, it's kind of, wow. I, I kind of love the, the nasty boys. The leader has a lot of style and flair. And then the other yes. four are just like ugly dirty dudes <laughs> yeah Ruckus is clearly my favorite <laughs> for sure uh, so they go over what the plan is and how the senator is blah 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 and Sinister's pulling all the strings um, and the nasty boys you know sort of question Sinister and uh, <laughs> and I love Sinister says what you will get Ruckus is in line Puck and like knocks him into the wall. <laughs> There's a lot of like really corny dialogue here, but I just loved I loved it so much. It's just so great, and I love how um, his cowl in that shot 
um, looks almost like a cobra head. Oh yeah. Um, like it's it the, the cape is out of control in mm. this in this book. It's mental. Right. But no, I I do I do think um, David does quite a good job at being really like sort of um, corny and a bit sort of on the nose and Saturday Night Villain with it all. Right. Um, well, after after that, we cut to this running sort of C plot of a dude who who's trying to be a, a supervillain and making suits. So he's finally made a suit, and he can finally fit into it. Well, but then the batteries run out, and he's not sure he can he can get out of it. So, yeah, I hope the dude like finally jumps into like a battle scene and just like one punch from Guido knocks him out. You know, like that's it. All this effort. It, I feel like David's taking the piss out of like the Claremont thing, yeah. where it's always building up a storyline, and I just feel like it would it should build up to nothingness. Yeah, and it, yeah, exactly. That's the payoff. Yeah, that should be the payoff. So we're back with uh, X Factor, and Lorna's talking to Rain about how she's stalking um, Alex, and we get another one of those glorious panels of Polaris's hair just like taking up the full screen. Um, and but the the team comes back and Alex is like I figured it all out we gotta get him uh, <laughs> and then we cut to the nasty boys and and the real multiple man has taken control because obviously this was gonna happen um, I love the panel of him like crouched almost like out of Terminator who's just come yeah. through the portal and like the steam is rising from him and he's like it's really me I was biding my time the whole time and uh, the, he just starts to fight the nasty boys. Uh, and they even comment about how how multiple man is using his panel his powers in ways we've never seen before because no other writer has thought to like actually use multiple man in in a fun it's way. Just, such a great idea because like the idea of multiplication is such a fantastic power. Mm. And um, I just love that David's like, oh fuck this fuck this weird shit that we've been doing so far. I'm going to have him like, put dupes wherever he wants. Because the idea that he stomps his foot and a dupe pulls him out of Gorgeous George on the other side is brilliant. It's genius. Right. Whereas, like, before, you just all he does is just, like, I can just make lots of people and we will just stand there. Because <laughs> I, I keep dissing Claremont, but it's Claremont's fault. Um, so. Right. No, I mean, we've spoken about it that, that right away, David's like, oh, multiple math? I can do something with this. I can have fun with this. He has pushed that character throughout, throughout all of his runs with the character to heights that you can't even... I don't think anyone's ever going to... And the fact that it's it's a disservice that he's returned back to what he was. Yeah. A glorified, a glorified pack mule. Was yeah. it um, that Multiple Man <sighs> mini-series? Uh. I don't even know who... I can't remember who did that. That was such a down, back step from where it'd been. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, anyway... Yep. No, agreed. We don't need to speak about that anymore. Uh, yeah. Even his 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 uh, Empire crossover shit was like, really? This is all we're doing? You're just gonna make a million of them again and have them just fight? Okay. Uh, so uh, X Factor's on the on the on the scene and they're gonna look for the real multiple man. And uh, Quicksilver's running through the city. We've got all kinds of strangely proportioned people uh, just getting blown away by the wind. Um. 
some, some interesting dialogue. Rain has has another panel of crazy hair that uh, she's doing her Polaris thing here. And uh, then the nasty boys catch up to multiple men who makes a million of themselves and there's some fighting and and uh, at the same time this evil senator is making an evil speech in the Senate about how mutants are evil. And then uh, X-Factor shows up and we get some fun fight fight panels here. Like Gorgeous George encapsulates strong guy you know using his powers in a unique way um we get the, the two fur people get to go at it uh until they they switch around and polaris is going after ruckus and it's i wouldn't say it's the best part of the issue like the fighting is fine here um it's it's not uh as dynamic as some of just like the, the talking and posing uh pages we had earlier yeah i don't know if um this is his strummer's like sort of maybe has a weakness with mm. action panels, but right. that's not that's not fair to say because a lot a lot of his panels when um, strong guy and slab fight were actually really nicely done. Yeah, I do think there are some panels that don't really like it's not really clear how how um oh it's because he couldn't hold it visually it's not really clear why Goldust George lets go right. of um, strong guy. Because it looks like Strong Guy's gasping for air, um, which he is. Mm. But it doesn't look like it looks like he could have easily just kept him going. If it weren't for the dialogue, I wouldn't have known that he just sort of took himself out of it. Yeah, it um, almost feels like he spent so much time in the earlier pages. He's like, oh, I got to do a fight thing. Let's just like knock this out. Yeah, because it doesn't really. And then all of a sudden, it's beautiful again. Like after the fight is finished. Oh yeah, it goes <laughs> back to being really lovely done. Because so, they confront the senator who's using powers suddenly, uh, and Alex is like, "See, I told you, this dude is like screwing with the powers." And then the senator just flies away, and they're like, <laughs> "All right, I guess that I guess we won." It's <laughs> so very strange. He just he's like, "I'll get you next time," and flies away. Yeah. I don't. Definitely uh, a wicked. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to sinister who's who uh, has the real senator who has been tied to a chair and just watching everything happen and explains he's been using this to paint the senator in a bad light, otherwise things would be bad for mutants. Um, and then he mentions ricochet powers and gives the senator a gun. It's like, you know, uh, uh, use it how you will, and it bullet ricochets back and kills the dude off of, off of uh, Sinister's amazing cape. And uh, yep. that that final page is, is just glorious of Sinister and all his like evil, evil powered posing over the dead uh, senator who's been shot himself in the head. And uh, I, I love that that page so much, Dan. It is fantastic. Um, and part of the seventy fifth, I don't know if it's in your issue. Part of the seventy fifth um, anniversary extravaganza ends my issue with a double page spread of um, a massive yep. team pose. And you're like, Tom oh, Rainey. wait, this is not Strowman. This is somebody else. Yeah, it's Tom Rainey. And I actually think it looks really nice. Yeah. Um, it's like the original X-Factor, which is the original X-Men, and the new X-Factor put together. And I think it looks really nice. Yeah, it looks very, um, very like standard X-Men artwork from the, the time oh, period. Definitely. But at least it looks it looks like a good pinner. Like, you can sure. easily put that on your way and be like, booyah. So I imagine that's what this was supposed to be. Um, yeah, I do love how like uh, the what he's done with Strong Guy here. He's, he's really taken him to the max of how giant he can be. 
Yeah. I think everyone, apart from maybe Marvel Man, who looks a bit in pain for some reason, yeah. um, everyone looks looks pretty good. But if it was, I feel like if if it was Strumman, Strumman doing it, it would be a whole different beast. Sure. <laughs> I would I would love to see Strumman do this, like use it, even being able to use the uh, the original X Factor team as well in a pose, that, just to see how he would. Well, we had hints of what uh, Cyclops and, and Professor X looked like, but to see uh, him do a a double page spread of the original X-Men would have been nice. It really would have. Um, so the next time we say Excalibur, Excalibur, whoops, X-Factor is in the middle of a crossover. Oh, maybe that's um, why we're not, yeah, because there's no Strowman next issue, so I hope this is, wasn't the end. Like, we have we have a nasty habit of starting books with amazing artists and then they're like, well, I can't keep up, or uh, someone knocks them off and now we're going to get somebody else next issue. Well, um, I've got the epic collection of the new X, X Factor, the first one, and it actually has the Incredible Hulk issues in it. Okay. Um, which I imagine they cross over because David's writing Hulk at the time. Um, and it was kind of a weird... To be honest, it was it was very much a weird um, thing to jump from that... X, like, all what we've just read of X Factor, the last couple of issues, and then into Incredible Hulk. A really standard um, artwork. Right. Right. Uh, it could be, yeah, it could be interesting um, to see how, because it's actually, you know, the, 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 the double page spread, Tom Rainey, he's doing the art on the next issue. Right, right, right. So, um, and it's uh, it's focused mainly on Wolf Spain on 76, so it could be fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't dislike uh, Rainey here, it's just like, just loving everything that Strowman and Oliver are doing. It's, I mean, we knew he was going to leave at some point, and I, I don't know if, if this is that point, but it, it would be so disappointing for us to continue that trend of like, oh, six issues of something amazing, and then who's this artist? Oh, gosh. It's the up and down of um, uh, to be young and naive and just to collect anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we move on. To, uh, X, uh, to Generation X, number 17, uh, which is from July 1996. Um, it has a special onslaught update inside, which it doesn't have. If it does, I didn't read it. Um, and uh, the cover, well, we'll do the creative, shall we, first? Before yeah. I, before we go to the cover. So it is written by the sizzling Scott Liddell and Stan the Man Lee. Penciled by the charismatic Chris Backlow, inked by marvelous Mark Buc- uh, Buckingham. Sorry, um, what the he- right? So, um, stark raving, talented Starkins and Common Craft did la- the lettering, stinging Steve Butcherlatter did the colors, <laughs> Mirthful Malibu enhanced the issue, and Baby Factory. Bob Harris is the ringleader. I don't want to know. I don't understand why he's called Baby Fat. Well, he's I got do. a lot of kids. You know, like, <laughs> like Nightcrawler, he should have been a little more careful. Clearly. Um, so, this is very different. Um, the front cover kind of gives you the taste of what's happening. Stanley, the ever small dwarf man with the giant hat, who kind of is a cross between the Mad Hatter 
and his ego um, <laughs> is telling us or asking us what of the following monsters like does he not get his like calling a mutant a monster does he not realize what he's what he's saying um wearing a 17 hat because it's the 17th issue uh, i don't know why that's important um but we have uh Bacalo's takes on uh the werewolf uh frankenstein's monster mummy uh the specter of death which is clearly skin and the hunchback and we have the executioner right. looking at the pit bull. And this is sort of fairground theme. And right. all I can all I can say is it looks great because Bacalo, the whole art team do a wonderful job all the way through. It is utter nonsense <laughs> as well at the same time. <laughs> Um, like we have Stanley clearly writing himself because yeah rubber face rapscallion yeah it's definitely Stanley right. um, writing himself talking about like sort of the story so far as this magician midget and um, then we have this beautiful double page spread where skin's being serious as the actual storyline um, concludes we see that skin's becoming more adept with his powers um we find a chamber on the floor who now has blue fire because his powers are going a bit funny and they're being hunted by the executioner they go to a fairground and because uh Jono doesn't need to breathe um <laughs> skin hides him in some mud or some liquid um, i feel like it's it's if this fair is like on pause for a second there's there's like a vat of like of oil that's used to like fr- french fries or like some butter from popcorn or something he just dips them in <laughs> yeah he just drops them in and to be fair the dialogue not too bad nothing's bad Liddell's doing a good good enough um attempt and then um then stanley interferes again and then we move to uh follow up to what happened to everett where right. banshee is being told off by his parents, which, you know, it's actually kind of an interesting scene. It's a great idea of like, well, you said you protect him. Um, you didn't. And Sean's like, well, you know, fuck you. And outside we have this, oh my God, this, yes, yeah, yeah. this Jubilee is so good. Um, a fantastic looking Jubilee who actually looks her age for once. Um, <laughs> who is not locked her age since uh, Bacalo left the book. Um, right, right. Goes and has a nice moment with her second best friend, Wolverine being her first best friend, um, Everett, and they have a nice little moment together, which reaffirms why Sean does what he does. Then Stanley interferes again, um, and we have, I assume, these shiny lights and Malibu's work. Um, yeah, those, the enhancements in this artwork don't work at all. Like, they, they're enhance- distracting. I know they're trying to show off, hey, look what we can do now, but looking at it you know 20 years later you're, you're like Ooh, this is i mean maybe you shouldn't have been showing this off this is like this is like early on getting plastic surgery and like coming out and be like hey look how good i look and everyone is looking at you like there's something wrong with you something happened <laughs> this isn't right yeah because it's a really nice picture of executioner if it wasn't like for the digital moon and the weird shining blotches all over him exactly um and so basically the executioner believes that um is after uh skin because he believes that he murdered angelo 
because of the simple fact that the guy was found with gun um, gunshot wounds in him. And then Angela used his social security number later down the line. And um, we don't actually get the truth. Well, I think, Angela... I, think, well, I think Angelo faked his own death is what they're saying. Oh, well, yeah. And oh, no, that's... So, yeah. that's that is the obvious turn of phrase it's just that angela's like yeah i'm not gonna say anything um but he's using his skin in a really interesting way um and he manages to sort of um slow the execution down and there's there's a little turtle with 17 flying around with fire out of its ass um <laughs> thing then stanley talks again and then we go to um a really interesting interaction between the white and uh black queens of this book yeah. Um, and Emma confronts Monet. Monet literally chucks her to the other side of the limo. And then Emma tries to telepathically um, intrude, where it would seem that Monet is strong enough to also push that away as well. And then Monet decides to finally tell her what's going on. Um, but we don't get to that just yet, because we go back to the executioner, who's still hot on the trail. Um, and Skin leads him into. Sort of what was on the cover, the the sort of the wax museum house. that's all monsters. Yeah. And then he's hiding as um as a, a mummy, and then manages to defeat him by basically outthinking him because the mummy wraps were his skin, which was a great idea. Right. And then he goes up above him using his skin and tries to um outrun him. Then his ass is set on fire. And then he, fi- he figures out the Hall of Mirrors is the way forward. And it's the classic Hall of Mirrors trick, which eventually leads to some random ass science I've never heard of. Right. Where if you fire a beam, it, it, it continues to build its energy. And then um, he beats the executioner with that move, takes uh, Chamber, and it is the end. Um, but we, are, we do know that Bacalo is on the next issue as well. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Stanley, Thank goodness. Stanley just tells us. Right. Uh, see, I really enjoyed the stuff without Stanley. Um, but I was you know, really not in. Sure. In, into any of the Stanley stuff at all. I was kind of like, I don't want it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's a strange like framing device, and and they've done this a little bit in other issues. And and Stanley can be fun. He can be a lot like Deadpool, like a little goes a long way. Um, so and there's a lot of them here. To me, to me, I like I like having Bacalo back, and I think the artwork is really nice. But it doesn't feel quite up to his normal standards. I I feel like the framing device is used to sort of bulk out the issue because maybe Bacalo hadn't finished or there was just so much to do. Um, so like the artwork, I, I I know you were really loving it. I didn't love it quite as much. It felt like we almost. It felt like like a slightly lesser Bacalo return for this issue. Uh, but I do think he's back on point the next issue. Um, and I'm, I'm super glad he's back because we had, what, like five, six issues of just awfulness before this? Yep. Um, and it, was, it was really lovely to see Skin get the spotlight and to see that he's grown and the unique way he's using his powers and uh, to show... Uh, just give him a little bit of backstory and it's always nice to see um you know Lobdell give some character moments uh like like the the page with jubilee talking about how she's got to sort of grow up and 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 help out the rookies on the team and 
in the moment with uh, her and, and Sink on the, uh, the swing set and Emma and Monet having their moment in the limousine. It's like, all right, we're having some action and, and building up our characters. It's it's nothing like, wow, they're, they're, they're reinventing the wheel. But he's just doing a really nice job of, of like keeping everyone in the mix. And I really appreciated that. I feel like it feels more like the early Gen X issues. And oh, I yes, think they are totally. really... I feel the arc um, it's cleaner than it usually is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like he's as overblownly wacky um, that he can be. But mm-hmm. I just really appreciate it. And I just think it looked really lovely. It could be just the simple fact of not him not being there for so long. That, yeah. Um, I'm, more, I'm more inclined to be like, yay! Um, but no, I think, it's, um, I think it's not as rough, uh, rough as you would say. I disagree with that. Um, well, I think rough. it's not. I don't think it's as bad or, or worse um, than his previous work on the book. I think it's a different standard. I do think that maybe the Malibu enhancements yeah, do damage the panels. Definitely but, um, part of it. I think the way he uses skin is really used. Is just really he, yep. he, he defines that character. Everyone else who draws him doesn't really do him justice. If that makes not sense. Not at all. Not at all. Um, no, I was super glad to have him back, and I was just, I don't know, maybe I was just, my hopes were too high. I was expecting too much. Uh, you know, you don't, it's like, you don't see someone for so long, you, you think that they're, you know, this great, unbelievable thing, and then they come back, and they don't quite meet the standards that you had, had inflated in your head, and maybe that's that's what happened uh, for me. But uh, I was super glad to have him back here, felt like... Uh, if the team hadn't, even if it wasn't as great as those early issues had been, this was still uh, sort of a return to form for the book, and I was uh, very glad that we got to have this. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, that was that was all of our books, I think, aside from some uh, weird. Um, Excalibur alternate universe uh, stuff going on and sort of a lack of interest in, in its own characters in uh, <laughs> Exiles. Uh, we had some pretty good books, Dan. Uh, like, we, we've had much worse worse uh, episodes. Oh, this was a good... This was a good... I'd call this a good week. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Very fair. Yeah. No, no, this is great. Uh, I'm glad we got to talk about these books. And uh, I'm a little sad that maybe Strowman's gone. And... Um, but happy that uh, that we're gonna sort of finish up the Chuck Austin stuff here. Yeah, at least he vanishes. I don't think he ever comes back. I don't know. I don't want to say anything just in case he does. What what's he doing <laughs> right now? I do you know what? I couldn't even tell you. Like maybe he changed his name. <laughs> maybe he's um maybe he's now called uh, Matthew Rosenberg. Yeah, um, I was about to, you, you beat me to it. <laughs> Uh, by one second. <laughs> but I it does feel like he was... Thing. I was like, uh, what Rosenberg? Something Rosenberg? Eric? Eric Rosenberg? Eric Rosenberg sounds like someone who'll give you really bad homework. Um, but yes, um, I don't know what he does. And I don't care to even search. So, <laughs> if, yeah, if any listeners... Sort of offhanded list- remark. Yeah, if any, if any listeners know what he's doing... Um, if Chuck Austin is actually listening because he has nothing better to do, um, you can always get in touch with us. <laughs> Shall I reach out? 
Send me. us a tweet. Oh my Jack. god, I'm happy to talk to you about uh, you know anything. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised he doesn't return to the books. We've um, since uh, Jordan White's in control these days. He loves shit, doesn't he? So. Uh, uh, can we have to talk about that now, Dan? Can we just sort of enjoy the books that <laughs> we got to about today and not not bring up? Uh, the the one half of the current Xbox that were not maybe not up to par. There is a lot of Xbox. There's more to come as well, so it's all cool. There'll be like another hundred coming out. There, there will so, be. There definitely will be. Uh, yeah. Well, um, that was uh, a, a lovely uh, bunch of books to talk to you about, Dan. Uh, where where can everyone find us? You can find us on Podbeam. Podbeam. Podbean. Sorry, um, at podbean.com forward slash Excaliburs. You can find us on Twitter at Excaliburs1, and you can search us on the interwebs because we pop up if you put Excaliburs. So we pop, um, uh, we pop up on iTunes, on Stitcher, on everything, I think. Even yep. on um, Spotify, I believe. Yep, we're on Spotify. Um, uh, if you've got a PlayStation and you want to listen to something while you murder people on the new <laughs> Avengers game. Um, you can do that. Oh, I have heard less than stellar reviews for that Avengers game, unfortunately. Um, it's an interesting. Um, I'm not saying that it's a PC gaming problem. It's interesting that um, everything went sour when it was announced that Spider-Man was going to be exclusive to PlayStation Four. Then all of a sudden, everyone was really angry and against the game, like spoiled children. <laughs> but um, I'm enjoying it mainly because I don't want to put spoilers, but who they pick. As the main character, right, kind of, kind of blown my mind and really like elevated it to sure. uh, something. Um, and I think that it isn't what everyone who played the beta thinks it's going to be because I generally thought it wasn't going to be like the story campaign was going to be really short. But looking, it looks like it's going to be like at least like a good twelve hours long, um, which is not bad for a game that's half story and half like multiplayer. Right. Um, so, um, I'm, I'm quite surprised. Yes. Alrighty. Well, uh, that was this month's issue. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with calling these issues or, or episodes interchangeable. Um, but this was this is so much fun, Dan. Uh, I love, I love talking, especially when we have something of, of note to talk about, and uh, we had some nice well. books. Yeah. So uh, thank nice. you so much, and uh, I guess we'll see everybody next time. Thank you all, and see you later. Bye.